we need to be aware that every time we go online, we are potentially at risk of one of several hundred different types of cyber crimes. And so the idea is as a parent, if you can understand some of those dangers, then you can better protect your children. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Shift with Tribra. I'm your host, Tribra Vanetti. I'm a professional astrologer, Akashic Records reader, and the host of Shift with Tribra. On this podcast, we have conversations that nourish the mind, body, and soul, but we also have a massive aspect towards wellness and health and wellness aspects here. So on today's episode, we will be speaking with Dr. Anuradha Rao. And Dr. Rao is coming in as a cyber parenting expert. And what is that all about? So Dr. Rao is an academic entrepreneur. She's a netizen as well as a parent, and she founded Cyber Cognizance to spread greater awareness about the opportunities and dangers of new technologies that have on individuals as well as corporations. She educates by combining cyber awareness and theory with a pragmatic and a practically uh, applied approach, sorry. Um, Dr. Rao has a PhD in communications and new media from NUS, National University of Singapore, and she also has an MA in political science. And on today's episode, Dr. Rao is going to be talking all about cyber parenting, cyber safety and safety when it comes to parenting. What do we need to know as parents, as young parents? And how early should we be starting cyber safety? And really, as she says it beautifully, there is, you know, there's no like cut off time. You can always jump in on the bandwagon of whatever age your child might be, but maybe as young as two might be something that you can start looking into. So if you're an infant or toddler mom and you're wondering how like, oh, I've got time for this because my kid probably won't have a uh, device till they're 12 or their own computer or whatever it is. It's still really important to get on the cyber parenting, like just have, you know, awareness about cyber parenting and how to navigate that journey as your child grows up as new technologies are released all the time. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do subscribe, share this episode with every parent, you know, or every single person that you you know because technology today is great but it also comes with its warning labels conversation is super super important for all of us out there so thank you so much for tuning in and i hope you enjoy today's episode welcome dr rao to the podcast i'm so happy that you could join us on shift with chibra and i wanted to really just start this conversation with what is the cyber parenting aspect that you educate and run workshops and these services around cyber parenting what exactly is that and how did this journey really begin for you Okay, sure. So first of all, thank you, Shubra, for having me on your podcast. It's really nice to be able to tie in what I do, which is cyber parenting and cyber wellness with what you do, which is looking at holistic aspects of wellness. So this is a great opportunity for me as well to show how those are linked. And so let's get down to the first question, which is what is cyber parenting and why? And I would say the next question would be, why is it important? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Yes. And so to begin with, very simply, and I've been told not to talk like a nerd because that's part of my identity. So I always am trying to make it, you know, relatable in a non-academic way. So that's part of the journey as well. And I'll come to that later. Very simply, cyber parenting is understanding the strategies and techniques that a parent or a guardian needs 
to put in place. So what are the rules that you need to put in place to keep your child safer online, but also safety involves wellness and happiness. So these are all tied together. So that's in a nutshell what cyber parenting is. And my role is as a trainer and an educator to get more people to understand why they need to be aware of the dangers on the internet and why then they need to have a more of a hands-on approach to parenting their child as they are using the internet more and more. Yeah, because I was also quite shocked to start seeing that some schools even request children to start having laptops pretty young these days. And that was quite shocking, you know, like gone are the days where you go to the computer lab and start learning how to use Word for the first time or something. (laughs) But to have your own computer, that must be quite a big concern for many parents these days to how to regulate that and, and protect their children. Exactly. And that's uh, how my own cyber parenting journey started because so I have two girls uh, and when my older one was 11, changed school and this a new school mandated that she have her laptop. Hmm. And suddenly it struck me that, oh, how am I going to keep her safe on the internet? Because up until then I had been pretty, I'd be able to control, for lack of a better word, control what content she could consume because uh, we have iPads at home and the TV and there were timings and I could monitor that. But with their own laptop, I started to wonder, okay, I am losing control. I'm not really sure what site she's going on. And so I started to investigate how I could ensure she was safe while not making her lose her autonomy. So Mm. there was all these different competing ideas, but and my own personal background is with my PhD in communications and new media when I was studying and researching here at NUS, my focus has always been to look at the negative or the unintended consequences of new technologies in our lives, because we often hear, oh, tech is always good. I mean, tech is good, but tech is also bad. And then it falls to us to be able to, you know, dig a little deeper, do a little more research. Or if you can't do the research and you don't have the time, you call experts like me to then come in and tell you, hey, you know, this is potentially what could go wrong. And we can prevent it. And prevention is better than cure. So that's how the whole journey started as well. Mm. So then what is covered exactly in the cyber parenting courses? Because I understand also you cover different age ranges as well during your courses. That's right. So with cyber parenting, with the courses that I do, so they're very simple. They range from the basics, which is, again, what exactly does cyber parenting entail? So like any aspect of parenting, so let's just go back a few steps. So what are the objectives of cyber parenting? It's to ensure that your child is safe online, but it's also to ensure that you work and communicate and you have rules in place and consequences in place that must be adhered to if if your child... doesn't follow those rules or guidelines. And so I work with parents to try and get them to incorporate cyber parenting as part of their regular parenting, because especially with COVID, you can't escape the fact that kids, I think as young as two or three years old, have maybe have their own tablets or with long distance, with remote learning, everyone at every age has a device and parents don't have the time or the energy. And we shouldn't be micromanaging them, but we should be able to manage, supervise, communicate with them. And so that's what the cyber parenting courses get parents to understand how to do this. What are some best practices? What are some good guidelines? So that's one of the aspects. And the other aspects covers what are the top internet dangers for your children? And 
until I, so I do cybercrime research. I, I'm a cybercrime educator as well. And with cyber safety education, you come to realize that there's a lot of dangers out there. And I'm not saying this to scare people, but just that we need to be aware that every time we go online, we are potentially at risk of one of several hundred different types of cyber crimes. And so yeah. the idea is, as a parent, if you can understand some of those dangers, then you can better protect your children from some of those dangers. And so that's the way I come at it from it. What are the dangers? And once we know that, oh, okay, there is there's cyberbullying, there's sexual harassment, there's identity theft, there is what is this? There's just different, many different types of abuse that happens online as well. And they are different. You can't often see that the linkages immediately, but yeah. you will realize that once your child falls victim to one of these, then there is this process of both physical and emotional trauma that could accompany it. And so we need to be prepared to also learn how to deal with it. So my course also looks at, say, cyberbullying. What are the warning signs that your child is being a bully or mm. being bullied? Because the two often go hand in hand. And what, what can you do as an intervention? But what can you do as a pre-intervention to ensure that, you know, your child may not even need to reach this stage of vulnerability? So those are some of the things that I cover in my cyber parenting course. That's amazing because I think that's so, so important, especially with like things like cyberbullying that's really on the rise ever since, you know, things like Facebook has entered our lives and kids as young as 13 can now go on it and things like that. Like it's just and, and how mental health has just taken a huge turn of events when it comes to, you know, people being on these social media platforms. I think it's so, so needed. So are these courses then taught in person? Are they live? Like, do you go down there? Are they recorded? What kind of courses and format is it? Right. So just another thing before we move on to that question, Shubra, is I think you raised a very important point, which mm. is all about the role of social media in our lives. And a lot of parents don't quite understand this. And so there's a question of, and one of the things I talk about is age appropriateness. So what age is is it appropriate to give a child their own device, for instance? Yeah. At what age is it appropriate to put your child on social media? So there's all these different aspects of age and appropriateness that parents often don't know enough to be able to then tell their child, no, let's wait for some time because there's a lot of peer pressure and children often, peer pressure has always been around. It's nothing new, but in this day and age, it involves these very new apps and access to these apps that have a lot of dangers that the platforms themselves don't often control. So then it falls to us to do that control mechanism, to put in that control mechanism. So yeah, so social media. So in terms of the programs, they can be face-to-face. -face. Again, with it really depends on social distancing norms and the situation keeps changing, but they can be face-to-face. -face. They are online and they can be recorded. So I offer, it depends on what a customer or a client really wants to do. So I also have this program called Create Your Own Cyber Peer Group Program, mm. which is where if you have a set of concerned parents and you have, want to come together, say you're parents of teenagers and your these teenagers are friends and you all want to be on the same page because peer influence is a strong thing. And so if a set of parents decide, hey, okay, we all want our kids to be doing this in a better, healthier way, then they can come together, they contact me, and we fix a time and date for me to either come down to wherever they want me to, or to do an online session. And then I give a small presentation, but then I also address their questions one-on-one. -on -one. So it's a very personalized kind of session that some people prefer rather than a generic one. 
Mm. I also have families that contact me to say, hey, we want this just for our family. And so can we do a session? So it it can be very personalized or it can be more generalized because sometimes there's a lot of things that happen that people are a bit, they, they don't want to disclose too much about. It is very personal, internet use and its effects. It, there are a lot of negative effects that people may not want to tell in front of others. And sure. so I'm talking about things like internet addictions or abuse. And these are things that they would want to talk to an expert behind closed doors. And so that's another kind of service that I provide as well. Mm, I, and I think that's really great because obviously if you have more than, let's say, one child, let's say you have four children, all of them are going to be needing slightly different approaches and different tools in terms of keeping them safe online. So I think that's a really great service to be offering because is there, I mean, do you, is it because of statistics that you have recommendations on what ages children should have certain devices and things like that? Like, not to paint a very sad, difficult picture, but I think it's important for our audience to also know, like, what we all kind of vaguely know it, but what are the stats in that sort of sense should we be aware of? Right. Sure. So there are some generally accepted best practices. And of course, they differ from child to child in the sense that some children are more emotionally mature and they understand the dangers better. And maybe some parents are able to explain the dangers and enforce them better. But in general, say, if you want to give a child a phone, experts suggest that they should be at least 12 years old because... Mm -hmm. Having a phone is one of the key factors that makes internet dangers multiply for children. So mm. the very fact that they own their own device opens them up to greater cyber risk, whether it's yep. bullying or any other type of cyber crime, right? So generally they say 12 years old means you're mature enough to understand how to look after and your own device and then look after yourself as you access the internet. And then you have legal ages, which is say 13, for social media companies. And I know a lot of children have their own social media accounts before that. And yeah. so these are legal implications also. And if something goes wrong, which could be any number of things, then there are repercussions that a parent and a child will have to go through together because they weren't aware when they ticked mm. that box. And, and I understand this because there's a lot of apps out there and there's a lot of websites out there. And as a parent myself, I often struggle to find out or to understand if my child has suddenly moved on to the next website or the next app. So that's why we have try and have systems in place that say, hey, if you want to use this new app, why don't you sit with me first? Let's look at it. And if it's if if we both think it's great, let's move ahead. And if not, let's mm. discuss why one of us doesn't think it's appropriate or one of us thinks it's appropriate. And so with the older children, that works. With teenagers and say 13 and above, with younger kids, it's more, I mean, I'm happy to mandate a more top-down approach where, you know, you can still give, have the controls in place and say, hey, this is the timing. You have this many hours in a day, you shut shop at this time. And it makes things much easier when you do this younger because then they understand why it's in place or they see an older sibling like my younger one understands all the restrictions or all the parental controls that my older child has and she she understands why it's there so they mm. kind of grow up normalizing this kind of cyber parenting mm. and I think do you give also sort of guidelines to parents about what they are possibly like this is sort of venturing off a little bit but you know there is this huge thing of like 
people posting their pictures of their kids online, grandparents super excited to share about their grandkids and their love for them. Do you run courses or do you have, you know, webinars about sort of, and I say this because I remember meeting a lawyer on a plane once, happened to just sit next to her from one place to another in the States. And she defends basically the person who's up for the crime. And I was just like, oh, so what's like the worst or the hardest case that you've ever had to deal with? You know, she's worked with like murderers and this and that. And she's like child pornographers. Mm -hmm. They're like the absolute, it's like the hardest case for me to ever really work with. She's just like, I refuse for any of my children, any of my grandkids to be up on the internet anywhere because they are just so vulnerable. And it's just so, and I mean, do you have anything to say like around that topic? That's a very important point, Shubra. I do mention that as part of cyber parenting guidelines, I do have a section on being a good role model yourself. And so under that, I do highlight what being a good role model means. So some of the things would be, well, one of them would be when you're, say, on a dining table doing a shared activity, there shouldn't be any devices there at all, right? So that's one. The other one is how much do you want to share about yourself? is one thing. How much do you want to share about your children? That's something to also consider. So I do give these as guidelines. I'm also careful. I'd like to highlight what I do. And I don't want to impose or pose judgments, but because every parent is different. But But like you said, I do indicate that I would be very wary of posting too much about children. So with my own cyber parenting journey, I did not know this, say, 10 years ago. I know this better now. And so even on my social media feeds, I don't post many pictures of my children. And my my parents don't either. And I think that's important, like you said, to get people to understand that. But once you give that information out there, then, of course, it's everyone can decide what they feel is best for their family. But once they know the dangers, I think it's really about the awareness. Once the awareness sets in that, hey, this could potentially be linked to something else, then that's where there's an impetus for change. You know, just mm. the understanding of the consequences has to be better. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, how vulnerable are people, do you think? Like, what are some of the statistics out there that you um, might know? Sure. So I don't have statistics offhand. I do have a lot of it in all my research. But what I can say is that some of the dangers that come from having images too freely available online, and I say this especially for youngsters, so young, so teenagers, young adults, because we're in a a social media age that focuses on looks and focuses on selfies and focuses on glamour, right? So then um, in my own classes, so I teach cybercrime at uh, the Singapore Institute of Technology. And what I tell my students, and these are all young adults is exactly this, the dangers of, okay, this is getting very academic, commodifying yourself, which is putting yourself too much out there, because what are the dangers? One, well, someone can take your photos from the internet, create fake, say, Facebook profile or a fake LinkedIn profile, and they can ask Then this has happened, right? You ask friends for money, or you ask people to connect you with others, or this, this can, like, this can go on and on. They can, create fake identities, and then they can try and get into your financial records through different means. So then there's the probability of financial loss. But Mm. if you're looking at sexual abuse incidences as well, the more photos you have out there, and this is horrendous, and and I get goosebumps as I'm saying this, but they have a lot of WhatsApp or even, I'm not saying any, okay, I won't say any particular messaging platform, but different messaging platforms have groups 
closed groups where they circulate images of women, of girls and children taken from social media, but they also edit it and morph it so that what could have been a regular photo ends up looking like it's semi-nude or ends mm. up being more pornographic. And so that is an actual cybercrime. It is a form of sexual abuse because you're taking someone's image without their permission and you're circulating it. And when people find out that this has happened to them, it causes them great trauma because mm. you're vulnerable. You're being revealed in front of, you know, groups of hundreds of thousands of people sometimes on in case of pornographic websites that may have your image and you can't take them down. You can yeah. hire lawyers. You don't, the laws are in place. And sometimes there are no laws to help uh, victims. Sometimes laws are there, but it's like a whack-a-mole. You, you bring them down from one side, but they spring up somewhere else. So there's going to be that continuing trauma that your images are out there and people are accessing them in ways that you never intended. Mm, yeah. And this feels like such a big juxtaposition, right? Because as we all sort of like, I feel like many of us also as mompreneurs, let's say, we're entering the space and we want to also like do branding for ourselves. So it's a lot of like putting our own images out there because that's how humans relate to things is relating by seeing the person's image more so than just reading words anymore. It's such a conundrum because I, I'm of the thing of like, I don't want to put myself out there that much because of these very reasons that you never know if your identity can be stolen or if it can be circulated in the wrong way and you know people uh, abuse that abuse that right and without my consent of, of using my images so I mean do you have any tips on like what parents can already do for themselves or maybe even tips for other mompreneurs out there uh, on how to safeguard themselves Right. Absolutely. And that's, a, that's, again, a really important point. And one of the things I do cover in my cyber parenting course is basic cyber hygiene. So cyber mm -hmm. hygiene just refers to how you can keep your cyberspace experience uh, clean and safe. So I give cyber hygiene tips as to how you can protect yourself better when you use social media or so tips like you said, just the idea that putting too much of ourselves out there makes us vulnerable. These are all linked to cyber hygiene because then they force you to make decisions about keeping yourself as a, as a parent first safer and then moving on to then keeping your child safer. So with cyber hygiene, it includes things like how to keep your passwords strong. And so that even if you do have and we all have photos that we take that we don't want to share with the world, but we take them and we keep them and we want them to be safe. But unfortunately, they're not necessarily safe. So again, one of the things that I tell my young female students, and while there are victims of sexual abuse that are male as well, unfortunately, they tend to be veering in favor of women and young girls. And so I tell them that Look, I understand that, you know, we all want to take photos that we don't want the public to see. So let's then if we're taking them, be very careful how you're storing them. Be very careful how you're sharing them. Are you using encrypted platforms? Are you having strong passwords? So those are the kind of things that I also include because without a strong cyber hygiene foundation, it just makes it that much easier for us to be vulnerable. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. So Yes, how to store and stuff. Is there any like one or two tips right now that you can share with parents, for example, on how to just keep their kids safe online? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if I think about, um, I'm trying to think about my own child or my mm -hmm. own children. So one of the things that I do is I do use a parental control software and there are many of them in the market. So again, it depends on 
what your objective is. And I would suggest getting a free trial of different types of softwares or apps and seeing what works best for you and your child. So one of the tips I would suggest is, especially for an older child, let them know that this is going to be part of their cyber experience, that it's not, I know they do take it for granted because Mm. they're digital natives, they've grown up with the internet, but as a parent, our responsibility is that to keep them safe and Mm. they, they might not like it, but I equate it with if you're sending your child out to a party or a dinner at night, you would want to know who they're going with. You wouldn't just let them go off without getting a phone number of a friend or a contact of where they're going. You know, where many parents keep a, a track of their child's location on the GPS. And I think that's equivalent to what our parents, my parents used to do, which is at least know where I'm going if I'm going out at night. So I give that kind of comparison. It's good to give, to let them go on the internet, but it can't be, it shouldn't be a free for all for them. There are responsibilities that they should understand that they have when they use Mm. the internet and it's our responsibility to enforce it. So that's what I would like to tell parents that it shouldn't be a hands-off approach or a very hands, it shouldn't be a very top-down approach, but it's something that you should develop with your child organically through conversations, but through empowering yourself with the knowledge and the skills first so that Mm. you can answer. I have to fend off questions from my children all the time. And so the fact that I know or understand the reasons why I do it, it it makes them understand why I do it. They may push back, but yeah. they understand that they I I it's their welfare that I'm concerned about. And it's just it's not just about safety from physical harm, it's also about their well-being. So mm. when I say access to content, I mean there's just a crazy amount of inappropriate sexual violent content that children can have access to at the age that they should not have access yeah. to it at all. So again, we can't prevent it entirely. And I mean, generations of parents have tried and failed, but we can have better safeguards in place to ensure that even if they do access it, that they tell us or, or you know, we have that conversation about why, you know, you can wait a few years before you really want to access it again, or, you know, just have that trial. And it's literally trial and error to find out what works best for you and your child, but it's something that should not be, shouldn't be avoided. It, it's a mm-hmm. tough decision, but it should be done. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I I remember before I became a parent, a friend of mine was telling me how she was watching her nephews watch Peppa Pig on like YouTube and Peppa Pig turned into a very dark turn suddenly because someone had all altered and uh, basically messed it up a bit so that, you know, there was like killing and this and that. And it was very disturbing. And she was just like, never go on YouTube to watch any of these child cartoons. Always do it on Netflix or Gaia or whatever it is, like uh, Disney Plus, because at least you know that it's coming straight from the c- streaming service and it's not going to be altered or, you know, uh, damaged in that sense that the child then, because a lot of us just, oh, YouTube pl- put, then we go do something and we just don't know like the very next video of what can just come in. And sometimes even the ads that come in on YouTube, for example, can just be quite just kind of, yeah, not, not so great for a young toddler or baby even or infants because we're giving them quite young these days as well. So just being very mindful about that. I think, I mean, unless you have anything to, to share on that, that front, I wanted to go to our final question, which was really like, what is the shift that you want to create with your work, Dr. Anu? Okay. I can say a lot of things, right, about the kind of shift that I want to create. So I'm going to focus on one 
which is really about getting people to understand that technology is here to stay. Digital tech is going to be an indispensable part of our lives. And we have to understand that with the good comes bad and we can't close our eyes to the changing nature of technology. We have to try and keep up. It's tough. It's very tough to keep up with tech, but we need to do just a little bit more than perhaps we're doing now. I know that I constantly struggle, so I understand entirely that the struggle is real to keep up with tech, but um, we can't bury our heads in the sand and say that it's someone else's problem. I understand that governments have a role to play. The tech companies themselves have a role to play, but as individuals, we have a role to play. And it's increasingly going to fall on us to keep our loved ones, whether it's our children, our teenagers, our parents, for those, for people in their 30s and 40s who have parents or senior citizens. This is another type of cyber parenting. You have to keep your parents safe as well because they don't know much about as much about internet safety. And so that's like the same things that I teach my children. I'm also telling my parents at the same time. And so it's something that if we want to keep cyberspace safer for everyone, we all have to play a role. And I think the work that I do really stems from the passion to keep cyberspace happier and safer and let everyone understand that if you want to be a good role model, it begins with you. You want cyberspace safer for your child, it begins with you. And that's the shift that I would like to see all of us taking responsibility to make the internet a better place. Mm, yeah, no, very well said. And I think that's so important for all of us out there who are interested in Dr. Anu's work. There will be the links down below in the show notes. And if you ever were interested in some of her webinars or her courses, or you want to host your own peer group in cyber parenting, please definitely get in touch with her. And we are so grateful. Thank you so much, Dr. Anu, for joining us on Shift with Chibra and educating us about cyber parenting and about, yeah, just cyber welfare, basically, in general and how important it is. Thanks so much, Shubra. Thanks for having me on the show. And I hope, you know, you. I wish you greater success and more power to you with getting more health and wellness in our lives. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Mm-hmm.